my friends welcome to another episode of generation on a mission today i have to ask you i think you can relate to this do you ever have those dreaded moments when you know a tantrum or a meltdown is about to ensue because you're asking your kids to either move on from something else knowing that they don't want to move on or perhaps you're simply asking your little ones to complete a task that is not any fun at all such as getting dressed brushing teeth putting his clothes away or like you know just existing at times the list can go on and on and you see it happening right before your eyes and you don't know how to stop it it's okay those moments are gonna happen and it's hard to leave fun things like parks or the tub you know it's hard to clean up when it was so much fun to play and it's hard to do mundane tasks but we have to teach them how to work through those moments and transition times and sometimes it takes a little extra planning or quick thinking on our part as parents. We might wonder why our kids have a hard time transitioning or we often don't look forward to when it's time to leave because we know it will be a meltdown and sometimes we even resort to bribing our kids to do what we're asking them to do to avoid the meltdown at all costs. But here's the thing, you don't have to do that. It's all about strategic planning and implementing strategies so that your kids feel encouraged and supported through their meltdowns and transition times. In fact, I'd even encourage you to please stop bribing your kids to avoid their feelings and get them through to the next task. That's not okay, it's not a healthy response and it creates a dependency on extrinsic motivation to get the task done and I am not for that. So. How do we strategically plan our day so that we don't have to bribe our kids to not melt down or to get their tasks done? How do we help them feel supported and encouraged during those meltdowns? Well, we're going to explore how to accomplish that in today's episode. So let's get ready to learn some things. Here we go. Hey there, mama. If you want to raise empowered kids who actually listen while parenting biblically, you're in the right place. Not only does this podcast help you strengthen their spiritual gifts and walk in purpose at a young age, but it also teaches you how to parent with intention. Welcome to the Generation on a Mission podcast, where we focus on fostering our children's leadership skills so they can become world changers. Hi, I'm Michelle Schaff, former classroom educator turned parent educator, blogger, and podcaster, all while changing dirty diapers, drinking lukewarm coffee, and leaning on Jesus. Grab your headphones, whip out the tata, and start feeding your baby. We've got some learning to do. Sometimes we know that meltdowns just can't be avoided, and that's okay. Meltdowns are in fact normal as I'm sure we all know as parents because it's hard for your little ones to leave. It's it's how your little ones are learning to work through their intense emotions over the fact that their fun is over. So will meltdowns happen? Yes. Is there a way to help your little one through it when they do happen? Yes. Can we try to avoid them in a positive way if possible? I think so. So what's the magical secret to avoid or help them through these meltdowns? It's all about strategic planning. Even we as adults know it's hard to leave fun things. So if your little one is having a hoot and a half in the tub, of course he's going to get upset when it's time to leave. So we have a few options on how to handle it. He might bite you tooth and nail to get out of the tub, making it miserable for all parties involved. And you're feeling me right now. I know it. You might experience yelling or hitting or screaming or just tears, maybe from you and him both. I don't know. But it's not a pleasant experience for us as parents, is it? I know it's not for me, so I have to ask, is there a way to prevent those moments from happening? I personally think so. 
So I'm going to share my thoughts with you. And these are just my opinions. You can use them or take them with a grain of salt. It's up to you. But it's your job to figure out what works best for your little ones. So here are some things you might find beneficial to try with your kids as they move on from fun tasks to maybe less enjoyable tasks, right? The first option is to simply let the meltdown happen. Just embrace it for all it's worth, right? Embrace being there for them by supporting them and offering empathy and then help them find a way to find some sort of fun in the situation. And you can play a role in this as well, which I'll get into in a second. But you want to let them know that you're here to help them through it. You can simply say something like, I know, buddy, it's so hard to leave the park. We had such a good time and I get sad too when I have to leave fun things. But let's get through it together. Do you just need a minute to sit and calm yourself down and be sad before we leave so we can get through it? Or are you ready to leave right now? And you can just wait until they're ready if you have the time, but you might not know how long that will take. But if you do know that they just need a minute to process when it's time to transition to something new, just give them an opportunity to let the feeling happen let them feel angry or sad let them cry for a minute and just be with them while they do and if they get angry just pull them aside let them be angry in a safe way and then allow them to tell you when they're ready to move on it's more empowering when they have that control and they can let you know and self-regulate when their body is feeling ready to move on as opposed to you forcing on their readiness does that make sense I hope so. You can also encourage them to think about something good, which is a strategy that's great for them to learn when they're feeling upset. You might say something like, I know you're feeling sad. I feel sad to leave too. I'm really glad that we got to spend time together at the park today though. Did you enjoy our time together? What was your favorite part? They might answer, they might not, but it's worth a try. Okay, so there's option number one. Option number two is to tie in a fun exit or distract them from the fact that they're sad because they're leaving. And with this option, you have to remember that you're not evading the fact that they have emotions. If they need to cry, let them cry. They're sad, right? But if there's a way for them to find something good about the situation, then why not teach them how to do that? So what does it look like to create a fun exit? So you can do a couple things. First, you can talk to them about all the fun they had while they were at the park. As you walk to the car, ask questions, or you can pretend to fly to the car. You can ask, what was your favorite thing to do? Or I loved watching you go down the slide. You look like you were having so much fun. What do you think we'll do the next time we come to the park? See, they're throwing in that anticipatory event the next time, which is a helpful strategy as well. And for your littlest ones, you can make it super simple. Like, did you say we when you went down the slide? Let's pretend to go down the slide as we walk to the car and say we the whole time. Just make it silly and do that the whole way to the car. You can also hop like a frog or a kangaroo or just do something that's more fun than walking to the car. Distract them from the fact that they're leaving the park make the exit fun help them find some sort of fun on the way out if your little one is hesitant about getting out of the tub wrap them in the towel and play peekaboo or invite the tickle monster in as they're getting dressed implement something that they enjoy during a mundane less enjoyable task to help make the transition less undesirable or more desirable for your little ones. Here's an example, and this kind of ties in with my third option that I'm going to talk about in just a minute, but my preschooler wasn't doing well with transitions from stories to bed at nap time, so one day I asked, hey, do you wanna skydive like Matthew West? Because that's what they do in the music video, What If, which my kids are slightly obsessed with, but he was all for it. So now we skydive to get into bed, and that can also turn into a consequence if he decides to dawdle or choose not to clean up his toys or use the restroom before nap. 
even though he knows those things are a part of his routine. So he looks forward to skydiving and that motivates him to move quickly and get everything done before we go to bed. And you might ask, well, Michelle, isn't that creating a bad habit? And I'm going to be honest and say that I'm one who would have previously thought that. But do you know what? I actually look forward to skydiving him into bed because he just laughs and loves it. And those moments I will cherish forever as he grows up and he won't want to do that anymore. So is it a bad habit? I don't know at this point, but it's a win-win in my eyes because he enjoys going to bed. He stays in bed and that motivates him to use the restroom and clean up without any issues before nap. And I also want to clarify and tell you when we skydive, I, I just hold him upside down, spin him around and say, wee, as I put him into bed. It's really nothing fancy. So let's move on. And that is a good segue into the third option, which I think is like the meat and potato of what it takes to prevent meltdowns, dawdling, or tantrums when it comes to mundane tasks or leaving something enjoyable. Does it work 100% of the time? No, but I have found it to be really successful most of the time. And this third option is to strategically plan the structure of your day so that your kids can anticipate the next thing that's going to happen as opposed to focusing on the fact that whatever fun they were having is now over. And does it always work? Again, no, it doesn't. But I don't think there's anything that always works 100% of the time, but it is a good strategy to have in your pocket. So what does it mean to strategically plan your day? It means anticipating when your little one will have a hard time completing tasks throughout the day, such as like cleanup times or when it's time to get dressed for bed or brush teeth and plan something to look forward to when the less desirable task is over. When you do this, your toddler will less likely focus on the fact that he doesn't want to do what you're asking him to do. And instead he's looking forward to what he can do next. So you have to gauge your toddler's interest here. If you know your little one hates to brush his teeth, but he loves to have time with Legos, Play-Doh, or going outside or playing with cars, then schedule time for one of those activities every day after he's done brushing his teeth, even if it's just for a short time. And don't turn it into something that they can earn. It's just a part of the schedule. You have to set it up as a part of your routine. So that way it's something that's already carved into your day. It's not something that you can bribe them with. They know it's already happening. So it's not an if you brush your teeth, you will get to play with your toys. It turns into when you're done brushing your teeth, you can play with your toys. The strategic timing of your routine can also turn into a natural consequence if things go awry. And you hope that's not the case, but if there's a more desirable task plan after the less desirable one, then that will motivate them to get the job done quickly so that way they can move on. If they dawdle or decide to become disrespectful or cause harm to something or someone, then that turns into an immediate consequence that they can lose and it's not like, oh, you're gonna lose TV later on today because of something you did at eight o'clock in the morning. No, you're gonna lose the next activity that's coming your way because of something you just did. It's actually a great way to put ownership on them because they are in charge of how much time they get to do the fun activity depending on how long they take to complete whatever it is they don't wanna do. So if they take the time to argue with you about cleaning up the dishes or they dawdle because they don't wanna wash their hands, then that cuts into their playing time. And if they happen to miss out on all of it, well, then that's on them, right? It's not on you, it's on them. And I will say, if your little one is all about like Legos, for instance, but isn't about the next thing he has to do after the Legos, that's when you start implementing timers or visuals for transitions or routines or warnings for transitions or other coping strategies on how to move on from the Legos. Or you just restructure your routine to where it's the must-do activities before the can-do activities, you know? 
You don't want to create a situation where the Legos become an issue where your kids won't leave the Legos and then they throw a fit every time the, it's time to move on. But we can save that for a different day, shall we? So right now, my youngest one is really motivated by eating. So when we leave a park or anywhere he doesn't want to get into his seat, that's when snack time is. I'll just say, hey, as soon as we get buckled in, we can have a snack. And that gets him motivated to get in the car every time so he can eat his snack. Now, I don't overload him on snacks, but I just make snack time when we get in the car because I know that that's usually an issue for him. But I will also say if he's okay with leaving and the snack isn't warranted because I don't particularly want him to get used to the idea that every time he's in the car, he needs to be eating. So you have to be strategic about it. But if I see him about to put up a Ninja Turtle-like fight to get him buckled, that's when I whip out the whole, when we get buckled, you can have a snack. Or after we get buckled, you can have a snack. Or I'll just aggressively kiss him or tickle him because it makes him laugh and that typically loosens his whole like grip on his seat and I can buckle him in. But I also want you to notice how I did not say, if you get buckled, I will give you a snack. No, that's implying that being buckled is an option. He gets to choose and he will get what he wants only if he decides to do what I'm asking him to do and that puts the ball in his court. When you say when, you're implying that that's already in the schedule, it's planned, but we cannot do the next activity, like eating a snack for this instance, until getting buckled in is complete. When you throw in if, that turns into a bribe. So it's all about using the right words with your little ones, which it kind of gets complicated, but here's another example. We know that our three and a half year old doesn't like to go to the bathroom before he goes to bed. So he knows in order to be able to complete the last step of our our bedtime routine which is watching his tv shows he knows he has to go potty first and it motivates him if he takes too long or has issues then the tv shows go out the window and he can just try again tomorrow he's in charge of that so our evening routine looks like alternating undesirable tasks with desirable tasks so eating dinner and cleaning up which is undesirable free play desirable cleaning up getting dressed then vitamins which are desirable for him brushing teeth stories potty TV shows, actually getting into bed, which is undesirable, and going over our day with a back scratch, which is desirable. So do you see how I alternated between desirable and undesirable? He can't have his back scratched in bed until he decides to get in bed. And if he takes too long to get into bed, he runs out of time to get his back scratched. So it's a natural consequence. And you can also spread out the desirable tasks as well, but you need to find their breaking point of how many activities can they get through before it becomes an issue. If they can get through two tasks before they activate the dawdle sequence or before they start getting cranky, then structure your day to where you have two undesirable tasks than a desirable task. It's all about knowing your kid's tolerance and abilities to stay on task and finding balance in your routine. And you can always adapt as they get older too. In fact, that's encouraged. You have to adapt as they grow. But if you front load all the fun activities and don't leave anything for your little ones to look forward to, they're going to have a hard time getting through those tasks because there's nothing to motivate them. You have to give your kids something enjoyable to anticipate so they have some sort of excitement left in their day and you don't have to pull teeth to get them to do what you're asking them to do. And you also don't want to create a routine where all the less desirable tasks are at the beginning because then the enjoyable ones seem so long away and they're not going to be motivated to get to them because they're not right in front of their face. It's all about finding balance and creating a routine that allows them to feel successful in a natural way. It's all about creating routine and structure, but providing them choice in their routine as well. And you want to make sure that they have a say in the things that they have to do. So that way it motivates them to get through those tasks, which brings me to my next point. 
The fourth option you can do is give them choices in how things get done. And I mentioned this before in episode seven, so I'm not gonna go too in depth with this particular topic, but when they have choices, they feel like they're in control. And when they're in control, they're more likely to get the task done because they know they have some say in the process or even the outcome. It's all about the psychology, which is so fascinating, don't you think? But here's a quick example. If your little one doesn't like to eat breakfast, tie in an element of choice so that way he has some say and feels like he has ownership over the process. That way he has something to motivate him to eat. Our kids are more motivated when they feel like they have some sort of control, but don't get crazy and be like, oh, do you want a chocolate donut or omelets? You know, that has the potential to turn into a chocolate donut every day. And we don't want that. You know, you got to keep it simple. Toast or your favorite cereal? Unless you're like Bobby Flay and you can cook up anything, but that's not me. So that's usually my two options when I present breakfast. But for something like putting on your shoes on, give him options for what shoes he wants to wear. Or brushing teeth, ask, do you want me to brush first or do you? Let him know that you both are going to scrub the teeth, but give him the option of who gets to scrub first. My son doesn't like getting his hair washed in the tub, so I give him the option of how he wants to get his hair wet. And that makes the process go a lot more smoothly. If your little one doesn't like to clean up, give him the option of you can choose to clean up and go outside or you can choose to take your time cleaning up and not have any time to go outside. It's up to you. You can also have them choose to clean it up on their own or clean it up with your help or let them choose how to clean up. You know, when we make a mess with Tinker Toys, I ask, do you want to clean it up like a bulldozer or an excavator today? And that gives him a fun way to get the task done. And when nothing is working, I think a successful approach is giving our kids a desirable option and an undesirable option. Both are entailing that it's going to get done, but they get to choose whether or not it's enjoyable for themselves. And most of the time, they will probably choose the more enjoyable option, but that's a natural consequence when they explore what happens when they are unable to make that choice. So to recap, our four ways of avoiding the meltdown is the first one remember wasn't really to avoid them it's just helping your kids through them while being empathetic along the way and trying to find something good about the situation if you can two is make the exit fun three is strategically planning your day with desirable activities and the last way is giving them choices in how it gets done so those are your tidbits for today but I want to know what are some other ways that you've had success with avoiding meltdowns aside from bribing or helping your little ones through them as they are leaving something fun or completing just a mundane tedious task I would love for you to share that with me you can comment in our Facebook group on this post or uh, email me at generationonmission at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening. If you learned a little something new, I would love for you to leave a review. If you are loving the show, I would appreciate it. And I just hope that you have a blessed week and I will see you next time. Goodbye. Real quick before you go, if today's episode made you laugh, learn, or love your littles a little more, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a written review for the Generation on a Mission podcast. If you're needing simple ideas to boost learning for your kiddo, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Michelle Shaw, S-C-H-A-U-F, or join our Facebook page at Generation on a Mission. See you next time.